Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. So, Marcus Urban, welcome to Footwork. Well, thanks for the invite, guys. Really honored to be here. It's yeah, a pleasure finally, talking to you guys. Yeah, finally got it done. I mean, we were with Marcus in our coaching course. When was that? Back in November, October. and we've October. October, I think. Yeah, October. October back in Bad Blankenburg, Germany, and we've had these plans for a while now. So it's nice that we finally got. Even though he's in his car at the moment, it's it's nice that we we got the time to uh, to meet and connect again. Well, the goal was to find a quiet place, and so yes. it's a lonely parking lot, so it's fine. It should be nice, nice and quiet. Amazing. We always, uh, we always start with our motto here, Marcus, which is make your own path. And as someone who, I mean, we can list off the resume of countries you've been to, the different cultures, the demands, the coaching courses, everything. But for you, what does make your own path mean to you? Well, uh, first of all, I'm really humble and happy that I'm actually doing what I'm doing, to be honest, right now, because it's always been my goal to work in football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. Um, so basically, I started off actually in the U.S., to be honest. The first time I was coaching was in the U.S., um, YMCA, little soccer camp there, because I wow. saw what they were doing, and I was like, yeah, you're dedicated. You're definitely investing time, but no offense, you don't have a clue. And so I just kind of talked to them if they if they want some help, if I can help them a little bit. And uh, so I brought some European soccer knowledge to the offensive of line coach. So, um, yeah. and it helped and it triggered so much. And then I started coaching and following on in order to coach. It helps having like a sports science degree and stuff like that so it all basically started in u.s back in texas y'all back in texas wow that's amazing so that's basically the thing since then i'm actually yeah more or less working my 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 way up um so the thing is instead of using the escalator or the elevator i have to take the stairs which is fine because i've never played pro so you have to find a another way you have to uh, think about other ways how to get up there so that's basically been my path so far and i liked it to be honest and i still like it so can't complain to be honest that's brilliant now to get a, a brief background of who you are tell us who are you where were you and where are you going who okay brief uh marcus urban yeah it's actually <laughs> really easy name even for foreigners that helps a lot um right now coaching coaching educator um nuts about sports to be honest that's why i'm still recovering from the super bowl due to the time difference it was a little challenging getting i didn't watch it live so respect to you Uh, i did to be honest and it of course it was the longest super bowl in history that helped of course it's the extra (laughs) yeah overtime everything yeah (laughs) quite good though um to be honest that's one little sports nuts um Right now, I'm working for Union Berlin as the head of education, um, responsible for all kinds of coaching education projects. Besides that, working for the DFB and other FAs within Germany. 
Uh, I study sports and exercise science as well as business administration. As a second degree, I also got a master's in education. Um, I always try to combine. That's why traveling part comes in. Besides the US, when I went to where I went to school, um, I always try to combine university slash education with uh, with traveling. So I kind of went to various places with some kind of exchange programs, such as Italy, Australia, Norway, France, um, the Bahamas in between, and uh, actually wrote my master thesis in Brazil. So it could have been worse. And I thought it triggered so much how you can basically combine soccer in this case or football slash sports with work. So I think getting to know other cultures, other nations, and I think it's really a common base to talk about. It doesn't matter if somebody is actually from Iceland, from South Africa, from Australia, whatever, you've got the a common bond because just uh, you talk about the sport, the passion you like, which in this case is football, which is sport that really helped. That's why I kind of also ran some coaching projects in, in Poland, in China, Tanzania, Egypt, stuff like that. Um, yep. That's pretty much it. Soccer wise, besides traveling, working in Germany, um, the highest league, I worked in was second division as a sports scientist with Dynamo Dresden, second division, second Bundesliga in Germany. I mainly worked in a senior level, mainly fourth league. Yep. Besides that, that's it. Just feel free to it's ask. A long, it's a long CV. Yeah, feel free to ask about one <laughs> of the above, the many bullet points on this list. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot I'd like to unpack. One thing I kind of want to talk about is how you connect how you kind of phrased it was this travel with sport and then also learning, connecting cultures was this kind of, I guess, when did this click for you to, to, to bring this into your life and bring it really to the forefront and kind of how you live your life? Um, yeah, I think, yeah. The ex, uh, first time I got exposed to coaching back in the U S because I noticed even playing in high school in the U S um, just how it helped me to socialize, to get to know people and stuff like that, because just playing with them, playing with some people from Italy, playing with, I mean, it was Texas, so they did have some Mexicans and stuff like that. And it really helped because you, you could really talk and you, you were kind of included right away. You were part of the team. And I thought right away, hang on, that's so much fun and it's so amazing getting to know other people, getting to know their understanding of the game because um, for me, the game is also part of the culture. You can see True. how people play football. It's part of the culture. If you look at Norwegians, they play normally. They play it another way than South Americans um, or even Argentinians play it a different way than the Brazilians, more or less. Just the understanding of the game is differently in each country. And just I think it kind of mirrors, reflects a little bit the culture. And so it really... Um, yeah, basically, it was the start, uh, the initial push for me to think that's amazing how you get how you can um, combine my two passions, yeah, football and soccer, whatever, um, and traveling in other nations, other cultures, other people. I thought, hang on, if I can combine that, that'll be jackpot. So I need to find a way 
how I can do that. And so far, I was lucky enough. I found a way how I can do that. That's why I really like those international coaching courses where you guys actually attend it. Mm-hmm. Because just all the world comes together in Bad Blankenburg, more or less. I mean, it's a freaking little city in the middle of nowhere. What a melting pot. What a place for a melting pot, huh? Exactly. It's not the first thing you talk about melting pot. Usually it's more like New York and stuff. No, it's Bad Blankenburg. Um, (laughs) So you can learn so much just exchanging ideas, exchanging um, cultures, approaches, stuff like that. Of course, I think, especially in, in soccer, there's not the way, there are various ways to achieve the goal, which is literally the goal, basically. So it really Mm -hmm. helps. And um, yeah, that's that's why it happened first time. And then also in Italy, or even Australia, when I was able to coach in Australia, stuff like that, I was able to enough to shadow a little bit at Trondheim, at Rosenberg Trondheim, stuff like that. So that really helped me uh, to learn a lot. Also, I played some yeah. futsal in France, get to know other people, get to know things. So, yep, that was basically the start. I feel like I know the answer already, but what is the German <laughs> style and wh- how does it reflect in the culture? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we were known and I think we're still a little bit known for at least um, yeah, being technically quite good, being dedicated to the game, understanding the game, um, stuff like that. Um, yeah, and back in the day, we were the ones running a lot and uh, always uh, being competitive. What's the phrase? Basically, uh, game in, a game lasts 90 minutes and at the end, the Germans win. Uh, the Germans are only beaten once you're in the bus or something like that. <laughs> I think those are our virtues, our features that's yeah. that's what the germans brought to the mm. football soccer table and i yeah. think that's what we are we're still what we still bring to the table especially the the tactical issue if you just look at the at the coaches i mean right now at least if you look at the table we are not within the top five but if you look at the coaches i mean just jürgen klopp is a pretty good coach he's well known uh thomas tuchel is quite successful those, I think, right now, the the testimonials. I mean, those were the ones that won the Champions League. Even guys like Pep Guardiola, those guys worked in Germany. Carlo Angelotti worked in Germany. Nowadays, Xavi Alonso is quite famous with his winning streak and stuff like that. And he played and works in Germany. He got his chance to basically show what he can do with Bayer Leverkusen. So I think it's still something we are good at. What do you still think something the, we're good at. <laughs> what do you think the connection is with coaching in Germany and why it seems that maybe the coaching from Germany is a lot more successful than currently the players or teams? I think right now, because, I mean, especially in coaching, I think organization structure helps. Um, as a player, I think you need to be le- less structured sometimes. You can't just be creative. But in order to... Um, to have organization and structure, it always helps to be a good role model. If you want your players to be on time, you better be on time as well. And I think those are features uh, a lot of Germans still have. It's still in their culture, stuff like that, dedication, punctuality, like all those uh, basics. And I think those basics 
help a lot being a coach, especially role model wise. So I think uh, also the, the education is still quite good and uh, also the infrastructure for education. You need to have some kind of good infrastructure and some kind of good organization. Um, I think there are a lot of good coaches all around the world. The question is how you get the chance to show what you can do and mm. how the ladder works for the coaches. Um, and I think in Germany right now, also having the infrastructure with a lot of youth academies and stuff, we do provide some opportunities to work in soccer, to work in football. And I think that also helps to develop a coaching, the coaching um, quality, because you only can develop a quality if you have the time to work uh, mainly full-time in football and soccer. Because if you don't, it's just a matter of, I mean, of course, football is fun and it's fun to work in it and to do stuff like that, but you can put fun in your fridge. So at the end of the day, uh, you need to earn some money with it. Mm. And I think that's an advantage right now in Germany as well. There are a few jobs around. If you're good, you can work in soccer and football. And I think that's an advantage in comparison to other countries. And kind of coming back to what you said in the make your own path question about you kind of having to go outside of the field to get maybe certifications because you were never a pro player. And I think maybe especially our audience outside of Germany would be very curious to know how, why that is. So what are the barriers in terms of like trying to get your licenses the same as someone who had played pro? I mean, being pro has a big time advantage in the first place because you've got a network. Because most of the times you might have played, you might have been in the in the same locker room as the technical director that works at whatever club. You know mm -hmm. those guys. I mean, uh, it's an elite group. There are not too many players that played pro, so they kind of know each other. Or you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that really helps. And people that haven't played pro need to rely on different things. I think a um, good example for that might be Thomas Tuchel, for example. This guy never played pro, but he studied sports and exercise science. Same as Jürgen Klopp. I mean, and Jürgen Klopp played pro. He played second Bundesliga, but he all, he's always talking about himself, about not being a pro player, not being that good. But I mean, he played second Bundesliga. Don't get me wrong. That's still would have pro. loved to play second Bundesliga. So exactly, that's <laughs> like he's like, oh, was well, a shitty player. Like, no, dude, you are like. If he's if know. he's a shitty player, what am I? God damn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's what I was thinking. And I only play like semi-pro. Like, yeah, why yeah. is he saying stuff like that? I mean, of course he's not Zinedine Zidane, of course, but still, I mean, he still was a pretty good player. I think yeah. uh, Jose Mourinho. I think he studied psychology. So those guys found the back door because they knew I don't have um, the credibility because if Zinedine Zidane says something, I mean, he could tell me, jump out of the window and I would say, all right, Zizou, you tell me you won the Champions League, you are world champion, you won the European, whatever you want, I'll do it. If a coach like me would tell a player, all right, do that, he would like, are you nuts? Why should I do that? So I think... So there's a respect um, that comes into it. Exactly. Respect to the player. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think you need to have another edge. You need to focus on something else. Mm -hmm. If I haven't played pro, I mean, I still believe it really helps if you played the game. Not necessarily yeah. as a pro player, but it really helps um, 
if you played the game, if you understand, especially as a coach, how a locker room works, how hierarchy Definitely. works within a team and stuff like that. I think those are essential points um, that really helps. However, um, if you haven't played pro, like most of us, to be honest, especially to your listeners, I think the majority hasn't played pro. So you need to find something else you bring to the table. And so I focused on licenses. Like I did a, a additional license in SNC. Um, I did my coaching license, stuff like that. So I think um, you need to find a different path. Maybe you do more shadowing. You work with the youth academy. You started working with younger players and stuff like that to basically learn about the game from a different path, basically. We just talked about how people get to the same goal using different routes. Yeah. So I think that's why people that haven't played pro need to focus more on, yeah, let's say theory or to learn tactical issues just by the book and still yeah. try to uh, implement it in practice sessions and just try it. So I think that's why it is really important to do your coaching license. It really helps you to gain knowledge. I mean, all of us kind of have a knowledge because we're exposed to the game. I mean, it's hard in Europe. If you live in Europe, it's impossible almost not to be exposed to soccer, to football. It's within the European cultures, within the European DNA. They could ask somebody from the bus stop and asking about offside. He could, I think, ninety-eight percent of the people could actually tell me how it works. Rules, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's one advantage in Europe. It's yeah. hard to find in the US. No offense, but you've got different no, folks. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great point too because just from a player's perspective too, I mean the one the one thing is we have to, like we said, respect, but we also have to trust that the knowledge that we're hearing will benefit us and benefit the team towards success. And I think, although maybe it's not the best, I think a lot of the times as players we think, oh, like what does he or she know? Like they didn't play higher than me or like, what do, what do they know? Exactly. And I, I think it's such a good point is to kind of have all of this different type of knowledge to explain, to be able to work with people well in an empathetic way, because there's a lot of coaches that I've had that I can tell when they kick a ball, I'm like, I, you know, I don't know about this, like that form. I'm not really sure about this, but to bring in the other knowledge and stuff, it's like, okay, this is, um, now I'm learning. I understand this. I've seen the implementation. I see where it can be successful. Okay, now my trust. Now I'm bought in. Yeah, exactly. Engage the players. Use the players. Implement your ideas. But for example, always ask the players for feedback. Let's say you've got a good form, you know, just some kind of something easy, like a passing drill or whatever, and you're not really certain about the distances. Just ask the players. Yeah. What do you reckon? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. I mean, they're doing it right now. And it's always a difference um, in the book and my ideas uh, in reference to the players. What do you feel? Just It also depends. Is it like an artificial pitch? Is it grass? Is it wet? I mean, there are so many circumstances that pay into that equation. I think there are so many things to consider. Why not asking the players? They're doing it right now. So I think give them yeah. some power, engage them. Um, really helps you and I think it even strengthens you as a coach because sometimes participation really helps because the players notice, hey, hang on, 
He's actually listening to us. Yeah. I mean, sometimes as a coach, you're the one with the final decision. And you're yeah, the There's a balance, guy. right? Exactly. And I rather ask, I really give a player the power to tell me, okay, just put the cone two meters further down. Then, okay, what do you think about the formation at the weekend? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) It's always, especially I like the balance thing. So it's always some kind of scale. You have to think about it. I give power to players concerning stuff like that. So they, they feel thought about. And then about other decisions, you're the decision maker because you're responsible. I mean, if it doesn't work most of the time, you're the one. Your job is at stake. It's not the they won't fire the players, they will fire the coach. So, of course, you're the one being responsible. Yeah, that's a great point. Also, too, of course, talking here, we know that that's the right approach and the best approach to get 24 players on board. But for many coaches, it could be difficult to set aside the ego and say, oh, no, I'm the coach, I make all the decisions. Whereas that can be counterintuitive and you lose a sense of maybe leadership capital by not getting feedback from the players and eventually you can lose the group. Totally agree. I think it needs to be authentic as well. I mean, there's some um, some guys that are more stages alpha male in this case. And um, yeah. the question is how to yeah strengthen your position and just being rock hard all the time, I think, doesn't really help. Uh, but again, it needs to be authentic. Don't just pretend you're being nice and bring... Uh, participative is just I mean pay us play us human beings tense if it's honest or if it's just some kind of role you're playing I think mm-hmm. it needs to be authentic and if you look at leadership models and stuff like that I looked at a lot of those things the most successful leaders were the ones that actually knew their strength and they also knew their weaknesses so even within your team. If I do know, I'm pretty good with tactics, but I do like empathy. So I might need somebody in my coaching staff who is pretty good with empathy because that's the thing that's missing. So in order to be successful, you need, uh, of course, there needs to be some kind of cohesion within the team. I think just reflecting the own strengths and weaknesses really helps a good coach as well. Mm-hmm. And then kind of bringing that into your, your role with Union Berlin being the head of coaching and well, the head of it's the head of education and coaching, right. Would be the more specific title. So kind of bringing in a lot of those things that we just talked about and the things you learned, what is that kind of, what is that role like in a day to day and how have you implemented some of these thoughts and ideas and beliefs? Well, basically we do have a corporation with the, with the Berlin away, Germany have, has 21 FAs within the big country Germany, for example, Berlin. And the FAs are allowed to run C and B license, mm-hmm. B plus, which is youth elite, as well as A. A plus and pro are done by the DFB directly by the German FA. So we have a corporation with the Berlin FA and we run C license and B license in basically in a partnership with them at clubs, at satellite clubs we work with. We run uh, nowadays, uh, it's called Kinder Certificate. It's basically for, um, let's say you've got a dad that brings his kid to the training, to the practice session. And he notices there is no coach. 
and he thinks, okay, I've played myself. Let's do it. I mean, I bring my kid anyway, so let's start coaching. Like 80% of the coaching starts. And let's say this dad only played mediocre level, let's say, twice a week practice. And I mean, there's a huge difference between working with adults and working with kids. So this dad might be interested in getting a coaching license. And so we start off with like a kinder certificate, like a kid certificate. How is coaching done? Like just some organization, like just some kind of long-term development model, what you do, what you should focus on with kids and stuff like that. We do all that in cooperation with the Berlin FA. We also ran um, renewals for B+, A and A+. For example, for the B+, we're running a renewal actually this week in cooperation with the DFB directly at our stadium and at our youth academy um, for all the coaches that have a B plus that are mainly around also there are some people coming from Duisburg and stuff like that just to attend the course. Then we have more or less a cooperation with the BDFL. BDFL is responsible for all the A, A plus and UEFA pro licenses. We run renewals with them. So my goal is that every coach that works at Union Berlin can get an education that he gets an access to education as well as an access to his renewal, that he doesn't have to go some places because the only thing most of the coaches don't have is time. So just make sure make, make um, education accessible for them with no effort from the first coach of the first team, with, which has a UEFA Pro, down to the, let's say, the under-eighth coach, which just starts or maybe even for our satellite clubs that just start coaching. So that's my idea. I also um, have some kind of corporations running with some universities, and we run some internal education as well, with like always institute something for physiotherapy and SNC, also with like uh, band training, with like FlexWit, we run internal workshops, everything in-house. Everything we do in-house means less stress, less work, for us because we don't have to travel so that's basically my goal the more stuff we do in-house with you in berlin the better educated our coaches our staff will be and we also represent the club right. because every time we run a workshop like that a couple of people from outside uh, can attend as well and so yeah. i think it just really shows what we are doing and some kind of being a role model within the area and representing uh, Union Berlin within the area, which is kind of important as well because fans, spectators, the stronger our satellite clubs are, the stronger our other clubs in the surrounding are, um, in the long run, the stronger our youth teams get because we get our players from the little clubs around. That's why we need to strengthen we make we need to make them stronger and get better players i think correlates a lot with having better coaches if you have better mm-hmm. coaches i mean there are some players that are just good for sure they have talent so you can't really do something against it even if you're a shitty coach if they're good they're good they make it but let's say the majority of the players they do have some talent so you have to make sure this talent is developed yeah, you need basically foster it somehow, right. and yeah. to do that, 
I think you need good education. And so we try, we as Union Berlin, try to provide the surroundings for that. So that's how basically is this, my job in short. Right. And how is, how is this role that you're playing now as the head of education kind of developed your ideas and thoughts on educating coaches? Um, in sense of that, it's that you've got so many coaches and so many different approaches. It developed even more the understanding for also the needs, like the big differences between the needs of like the dad we just talked about who started coaching and also the needs of like the assistant coach of the first team. Yeah. They're both coaches, but they have different demands in this case. And uh, so I try to develop programs for each demands, basically. For each needs. That's basically the idea behind it. Mm. And considering my job, I got to I got the exposure to all of that. From being Champions League to uh, coaching under seven. And we still try to think about different approaches to solve each problem. Mm. And I'm sure obviously like you kind of just described the scope from Champions League to under seven. What would be some of the main pillars, though, that I guess main themes, main things that Union Berlin, I guess, is passionate about and tries to instill at any level, no matter what? I think one of the virtues, one of the most important things we try to implement or try to educate is just the the love for the game, mm. that you may have different approaches, but you need to like the game, the, the DNA, the the working, the hardworking attitude, that's one of our main pillars. Also, the that you always want to learn, the humbleness. I think that's really something you need to have as a coach and as a player. You always need to be hungry to get to know more stuff and you're humble enough with stuff you already achieved. Um, that's one pillar. And, of course, um, the dedication to what you're doing. And I think those are the the three main pillars we try to, yeah, basically tell our participants of the courses and just, yeah, share with other coaches. And I think especially the humbleness is something you really need as a, as a person, as a coach. And staying on, I mean, we've talked about many positives um, of the German environment and the culture surrounding football, but what about the weaknesses? What do you think are some of the biggest weaknesses in terms of coaching players, league structure in Germany? I think right now we are losing a little bit of ground to the, to the Premier League due to the financial abilities, let's put it that way. Because if you look at the richest club like Bayern Munich, I think they're just they would be something lower league table <laughs> within the Premier League, even though they are by far the richest club in Germany. I think sometimes organization is good, but on the other hand, I think bureaucracy is I mean there's always a thin line between being organized and having a lot of bureaucracy. So that's a little tricky. And yeah. league system wise, well, we just renewed a little bit of, uh, we renewed a few things. 
Hannes Wolf um, thought about a new system for for kids. Also, they renewed the system, going to renew the system for under 19th and uh, um, Bundesliga and stuff like that. Um, so let's see um, how that impacts, to be honest. That'll be, I don't know. Let's Time see. will just tell these ask, kinds of things, right? Exactly, just ask Trial me next error. year. Exactly, that's yeah. basically try and error. It's something they th- uh, they thought about it. I mean, they put a lot of thought into it. I think they didn't roll the dice and thought, hang on, okay. Yeah, uh, let's try that. So but what think, is it? What is it in the kid structure? What is it in the youth structure? Um, the kid structure is that you play like the Netherlands and the Belgium, for example. You play. Um, we developed this kind of acronym for Nino, like fun and Nino, like kid. That mm-hmm. you play three versus three on small goals on smaller pitches. Basically, the idea is that the that the fields, the pitches grow with the kids. The older the kids get. The bigger the pitch gets, the more same thing. For example, exactly. For example, you start with three versus three. For example, under thirteen, you play nine versus nine, and under fourteen, you play eleven versus eleven. Stuff like that. So that's that's the approach behind it, and it's kind of difficult with infrastructures and stuff like that because nine versus nine, you still need a full pitch, yeah. uh, even though in the age group they're used to having uh, two games simultaneously and stuff like that. It's just you know theory. Versus how you're gonna do it in big cities, yeah. Uh, that's always a little issue. And then again, it's Germany, so uh, between I don't know twelve and one, you're not allowed to play because there's some kind of recreational break, and you're not allowed to be noisy and stuff like that. There are so many <laughs> rules. Yeah, it depends. It depends on where you are in Germany. I would say from my just from my experience, <laughs> I think some take the the. What what would be the trend? Uh, calm yeah. calm day calm day or calm yeah. time? They take that a little bit more seriously than I would say exactly. others, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, just in theory, you know, those are just uh, yeah. issues that may occur. Yep. So you have yeah. to talk about stuff like that. I think talk about weaknesses, like Sean asked. I think our system just being organized is a, is a yeah maybe a stronger point, but just being too organized, being too structured, being too Having too much bureaucracy is definitely a weakness. Mm. Um, also about getting license in Germany, because you, you just you just don't apply. They are like, I mean, you probably have to hand in uh, the birth certificate of a guinea pig. I mean, you guys <laughs> apply. You know how much paperwork you have to hand in. As guys who have been here for a while and had to get many visas, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we we, we we know that. Exactly, you're just saying hang you just straight off the rainforest just for like yeah, any kind of application stuff. Get of a guinea pig. That is well said. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Is there, I guess, are there any, from your knowledge, because I know you're kind of consuming, you're always kind of looking abroad and outside. Are there any systems or countries that you think like, wow, they're doing, I mean, I'm sure no one's doing it perfectly. That's never the case. But is there anyone that you look at and you're like, we should take more from them. Well, I really like, uh, I haven't checked too many systems. I did like the Australian system and the Icelandic system because, for example, Iceland is the thing is whatever um, sports group you are responsible for, you need to have a license, which mm. I really like. Um, so, of course, they provide more courses and make it more accessible for everybody. And I think that's a big advantage. Okay, now you can argue that like Iceland has like 300,000 people and that's like uh, I don't know Berlin has 4 million people 
So just yeah, rolling it's a little this, different. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Scales are so, it's definitely the scale is never a different level. However, I like to just you know just in a perfect world, I think that might be an idea. Um, it also depends the costs, of course. Um, For sure, yeah. I, I mean, I'm doing my A plus right now in Scotland, and to be honest, I really like their approach. Um, how they handle things, of course, it's bureaucracy as well. Does anything stand out um, to you with the Scottish system in terms of what uh, you're learning in there? Different approach, uh, more more prescriptive in a sense. Okay. And then it gives you more freedom and more liberty on the page, but just at the beginning, it's also a lot of structure. I kind of like the idea. And I think that's talking about like having a variety within your coaching that always helps. I would always recommend getting different ideas. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm really happy that um I could do one of my licenses uh in Scotland because just I mean I know the German system. I mean I educate in the German system, so I'm and I'm German. I grew up in the German system, so I kinda know it. So it really helps to go to the island basically, to go to Scotland and pick up some of their ideas, some of their approaches, because of course, um due to the proximity of uh, England they have a lot from the English system yeah. and right. evidently England is not doing too bad I mean of course yeah they invest a lot of money however uh, they've got pretty good players as well yeah and it's I true I think it's always good to check out uh, uh, one of my goals for this year or maybe next year is to check out uh, the French system a little bit more and also the Portuguese system for example Benfica I mean they, producing I mean, players like total. crazy. It's huh? insane. Exactly. They produce so many players and we're not just talking one or two. Yeah, uh, no. Basically, accidentally. No. Yeah. Exactly. And different players, they are just right now, German, Germany has a big time discussion. We always produce the same players. We've got heaps of eights and sixes and maybe some tens, but we don't have any kind of wing backs and stuff like that and no strikers anymore because we always True. produce yeah. the same players. Yeah. Um, if you look at uh, Portugal, I mean, they produce a uh, Grimaldo who plays for Bayer Leverkusen, even though he's, he was educated in Spain and stuff like that. I mean, Joao Felix, for example, they always produce quite a few good players all over the place, not just one yeah. position in total. And yeah. I think that's something remarkable and something we should look at. And so I think considering that, evidently they're doing a pretty good job. In Portugal, I don't know about the coaching system. However, it can't be too bad if you produce so many good players. I mean, there must no, be a correlation. No. So it makes sense to exactly. look at successful. It makes sense to kind of exactly. look in that direction. You know, you can't ignore Same success. With France. If you look at France, how many good players they have? Yeah. I mean, last World Cup. I mean, just if you look at the injured list, you could have. Oh, their second, had... their second team could compete. Actually, your second yeah. team was still amazing. Yeah, I mean, nobody knew Kulamwani. Nobody knew him. And he just, I mean, and after that, he just, I mean, he did pretty good at Frankfurt. But then he plays for PSG now. But nobody yeah. really knew him. And he yeah. was doing quite well at the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. Just as an example. I think they must do something right as well. Evidently. What would be your approach in, in trying to learn from these countries in terms of going there? Would it be trying to connect with the club in some way? Maybe through exactly. Union Berlin? That would that would be exactly, that would be the idea, maybe just to get an exchange with like, I don't know, some 
just talk to some clubs at say PSG, Olympic Lyon, or maybe something small like Bastia on course, stuff like that. Some some clubs talk to them, okay. How is your league system structured? I mean, especially course, which is on an island. Where do you go? How do you travel? Uh, how do you work with the players? How how do you uh, combine all that effort, all that time-consuming stuff with school and stuff like that? How it approaches of that? And that would be really interesting. Same with Portugal. I do know Benfica, for example, they have like five own teams within Portugal. For example, close to close to uh, Porto, for example, they have some kind of Benfica academy. They play in a in a league, which is uh, like in a Porto league. And then if they are doing well out of those five um, clubs within Portugal, they just send the best players then to Benfica directly. Stuff like that. So I think just going to the clubs um, and talking to them, get an exchange, I think that would be the best approach. Maybe even attend some practice sessions, talk to the coaches. What was your idea behind that? Um, stuff like that. Just, you know, the normal thing. Just talk about football and you learn a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is this idea of a coaching philosophy, because I think it's it's such a buzz kind of term these days in terms of it is like, what's your philosophy? What's his philosophy? What's her philosophy? And then kind of being ingrained and maybe modeling after these big coaches. Um, but how important would you say that is? I mean, to have that as a coach, or would you rather kind of stress the importance to have core principles and then adapting within maybe the team or the club or the players that you have? I think having core principles is the main thing about core principles, how you want to play more or less. I mean, unless you're Pep Guardiola and you get a new team, most of the time you are yeah, coming yeah. to... You have that luxury, <laughs> to... bad blank Exactly. Like, I want him, I want him, I want him. Usually yeah. you're coming to a team and you have, uh, okay, that's your team. Enjoy. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Um... I mean, of course, you play a different system. If you have, like, back in the day, Jan Collard is huge, it's huge check striker. Of course, you play him differently than having Messi up front. Um, I think you always have some, like you said, core principles. Do I do I want the ball? I don't. Stuff like that. Um, yeah. How much possession do I want? Which idea? Some ideas you need to have, I think. But I think uh, coaching philosophy in this case also means like we talked about, that you kind of know how you are as a coach, what you focus on, what your main goals uh, as a coach you want to implement in the team. And then look at it tactically, but also like look at it from a, from a human standpoint, how you want to interact, how you want the team to be on the pitch, stuff like that, how to interact with the other staff, what's, what things you want to implement in the team. I think that's also important. And then just, I mean, in general, as a coach, you need to be, you need to adapt. Yeah. You've got, that's your team. Those mm -hmm. are the given circumstances. Enjoy. The normal teams is just also about infrastructure. Where am I practicing? How many pitches do I have? Um, again, like, for example, if I use example like course, it's on an island. Of course, you always have to adjust your schedule. And stuff like that because you usually have to travel every away game you need to take the boat or the train or just the the plane whatever you need to travel and quite far so of course with that circumstances you have to adjust 
your schedule and somehow it also influence your philosophy somehow because just you need to focus on different things and i think in this case as a coach you need to be able to adapt yeah yeah almost on the fly it seems too like you always have to adapt on the fly as well exactly because just as you know i mean being a coach usually is not the most secure job on earth so you have to be successful basically within no time right away so make sure you adapt like you said on the fly okay that 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 I do that and that and that, and hopefully it works. Yeah. If it doesn't, ad- ad- adapt, adjust, yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. try again. Yeah, I would say an investment banker isn't usually getting fired after seven months unless they're doing nope. something really, really wrong. You know, as long as they're putting an effort, they're not really getting fired like that. It's a different world. Exactly. I mean, you had coaches, they were fired off in three weeks. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah. There's, you you mentioned kind of one thing in term in terms of your core principles was do I want the ball do I not want the ball I think I mean it probably happened a lot since kind of the Barcelona teams where it's just every coach seems to want the ball and I think that's obviously as a player who likes to be on the ball like I favor that kind of system too but do you think that there's like I think a lot of people are so negative towards the teams that kind of set up against the ball. And are more defensive minded or more, I don't want to say Mourinho typed, but more, <laughs> but it, in that sense, you know, like. Looking that, to play on the counter. Looking to play on the counter or something, but they kind of put, the, there's this label that that's the wrong way to play. But I also come, and I kind of thought this, I guess, I got a little earlier in my career, but I've kind of come to just, I guess, regard football as the system that wins is you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day is the system. So to say that there's one right way to play or there's one good way and one bad way and one's negative football, I think, I mean, I would love, love to hear your opinion kind of on that. I think that's not that right way or that right system. I think, again, you need to adapt. Let's look look at France. 2018, they won the World Cup. With having, I think if you look at the stats and stuff like that, they never had the majority of possession. Yeah. But if you if you have guys up front like Mbappé and Dembélé, mm-hmm. I mean, just the more green they have, the better they are. Exactly. And, and they're they not going like to do a... the majority of the work defensively. So to kind of have the security behind them, to have that blanket to say, okay, here's the ball, go flourish, would make more sense. Usually in international Definitely. tournaments, I think I can't, I mean, besides... I think the first France or the first Spain team, there hasn't been many teams that really dominate possession who've won. Italy in Euros was one that didn't. France, even Argentina, like, of course, they have players who can keep the ball, but they weren't a possession-based team in this last World Cup. You don't really see it in international tournaments. I think 2014 Germany did. We had a lot of possession with like players like Bastian Schweinsteiger, Tony Kroos and stuff like that. You had a different team. Mesut Özil, all those guys loved the ball. They were technically skillful. Even having like a center, two center backs like Boateng and Matsumals, they were quite good at the ball. So you basically, those center backs were little playmakers as well. Of course, with them, you can play a different ball. Then just depends on the players you have. And I think 
2014, Germany had a lot of possession. But you're right, most of the teams that actually won at the end weren't the ones having the ball all the time. I mean, Spain got killed as well, as well with their system. Even nowadays, Barcelona, they kind of adjusted and nowadays they have the ball less. I think yeah. right now, Man City are the ones being really, really processional-based. They're kind of an outlier successful. too, but they also employ four center backs a lot of the time too. So there, I wouldn't say, I mean, he thinks very defensively too. Definitely. And just having players like Holland and stuff with a lot of speed, uh, they just adjusted as well. He kind of adapted uh, to the demands as well. Yeah, exactly. If yeah. you look at it holistically. For sure. I think just, as you asked, I think the system that wins is the right system. Or hang on, I think the right way is uh, well, well. That's the senior football, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, yeah. that's the that's the thesis um, right there. <laughs> I think the the key element is to evaluate, mm-hmm. analyze what players you have, what strengths they have, what strengths you as a coach, what are your strengths, and then just basically lay it all out and design the perfect plan for that team. So it's like evaluate, analyze, adapt. And it's kind of like exactly. reoccurring. That's that's cyclical. Yeah. I like that. If you have a game plan and also like just always look at the uh, at the opponent, of course. Yeah. Just in a in a in a big game. But in youth, yeah. just double check what you have and then especially in youth systems nowadays, if you have like one talent, let's say you've got Somebody like you, like got good number eight, like a good number ten. Uh, I and you are identified as the top talent, right? So now I need to find a system where you can flourish. Wins, for example, with you, we could pl- play, for example, uh, four, two, three, one, something like that, with a real number eight, with a number ten, or like a three, five, two, something where you actually have center mids, stuff like that. That would be good for you because you can develop. Or let's say um, in youth, you might have been not the tallest player back in the day. So you need to. <laughs> so maybe in order to flourish, in order to have the ball, we need to find a good, um, like, let's say a good number six, a good holding mid for you to do the dirty work. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of the all the time I send you in kind of duels with like 190 guys, uh, 90K, that won't help. So just make sure in order to have the ball, you need somebody. I mean, you play the piano, but you still need somebody who is actually carrying the piano. Oh, wow. Okay. That's why um, we adjust. It's a cool phrase. For, yeah, the, a cool phrase. <laughs> for, the, for the top talents, we need to adjust the systems, our system in the youth academy due to the top talents, in my mm-hmm. opinion. In order to to make them flourish, yeah. If I identify you as a top talent, we, we need to make sure you can develop. I mean, you've always been quick, but you've never been the most explosive type. Which means on the wing, not really. Right wing back, not really. So more center mid. You need to like have the ball and stuff like that. You've got a good eye. You've got a good game IQ in this case. So we identify the position that might work. Now we need to make sure you can develop. And we have to set everything right that you can develop. Well said. Good advice. Good insight. 
Never heard it like that. Because also you pick out, so say you pick out Dylan on the team, but what about the other players? Is there a point where you say, okay, Dylan is the player that we should develop, we should focus on most, and this is the system that fits him best versus bringing maybe not the entire group, but there's other players that also could be developed. In, in, in each year, yeah, like let's be honest, in each year you've got about two to four top talents in each year. Those are the top talents. The ones you think they're going to make it. We don't have to adjust especially in under-19s, under-17s, we don't have to adjust the system to the player that's number 24 or 25. They're just, you know, he's in the team that we can play 11 versus 11. No offense, but just we're talking about elite sports. And that's so like, you I need... mean, you're talking about the level where there's a jump the highest that's level. about to happen. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's, that's where you see the potential. That's yeah. the player that might be able to get pro. So we mm -hmm. need to make sure we do the best to put them on the road. So yeah. we made we need to make sure you can develop. Yeah. Right. And the other players are there for you to practice. Yeah. Because 25 players out of 25, they won't become pro. No. This is fairy tale land. So we just need to make sure um that the other players um get involved as well. And if you let's say they're as number 10, you develop quite well. And you do a lot of passing, you win. Let's say, which teams are more focused? The teams that are losing or the teams that are winning? Of course, unfortunately, the winning teams get more focused. And so, which means also the player that's maybe number number seven or number eight in the hierarchy, in the development mm -hmm. rate, um, assessment, whatever you want to call it, even that player gets attention. Because due to your abilities, Dylan, let's say that's a quick winger. And due to you, you kind of highlight his strength. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of good passes, a good of niche balls, stuff like that, through balls. And so you kind of emphasize his strength. But it only works because you have the ball. And like Sean, as a good number six, always helps you that we have kind of possession. Oh, he helps you to have enough power to play those balls, to dribble and stuff like that. If, if I would always send you in defensive duels, you lose a lot of energy. So we need to make sure uh, you can show your strength. And also Sean, as a good holding mid, as a good defensive midfielder, um, he can shine as well. Because right. he wins all the duels, gives the ball to you. So again, we need to double check. But if like there's a winger, which is like roster 18, 19, that's fine. But most of the time, this player, no offense, just speaking out of experience and just statistics as well this player won't really become pro right. he will he might be able to earn some money with it to be semi-pro or something like that but most of the time a player that is in the under 19th under 17th who is not top top hard i mean you kind of can see back in the day let's say tony crows i mean you could see he was better than the other ones within his age group. And nobody had the idea to let him play center back. Why? Even though all those good players, he would have played even well as a center back, just with his calmness, his passing game and stuff like that. He still would have won something. But I think playing where he played, 
he shined way more. He got way more emphasis and he could work on his strength way more. He could bring way more to the team and to the whole game than playing center back. Yeah. I think that's why for we just talk about talent development, right? So that's why I think uh, focusing on a few players within a team sport really helps. Yeah, it makes sense. sense. But one of the things I like about, I guess, the German system, European system is kind of there's so much time and effort into getting those players that to help them. Like you said, not everyone's going to make the jump, but getting enough players to make the jump or making it more accessible for players to to make the jump. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of kind of the barriers in U.S. soccer and U.S. youth soccer where there we have the pay to play model and families could be paying between I think it's like one and three thousand and sometimes even more in certain cases if you're playing for the academies or things like that. And I think that kind of hinders how many good players you could actually prepare to make that jump when they get into their 17, 18, 19 year old kind of lifestyle and, and careers. No doubt. Totally agree. You lose so much talent because I think um, becoming pro should be, I mean, should be decided by the feet of the players and not by the wallets of uh, the wallet of the parents. Yeah. So for us, um, Football is basically the, the cheapest thing you can do because mm. the only thing you need is basically get a pair of shoes. And the club provides even the gear. I mean, in the US, you even have to pay for the gear. That's just for the uniforms and everything. So yeah. you sign up for a club in Germany. There are heaps of clubs. And if you're good, step by step, you can gradually develop. Even if you don't become pro, it's still good because you do a sport. And just moving, getting... Just the social things. Why are doing teams yeah. exactly? The just the how you work as a team and stuff like that really helps you to become in my in my world in my opinion to become a better person. Yeah. If you have an idea how a locker room how it works on the pitch and stuff like that, it really helps. Yeah. So I think in this case Germany or Europe in total is. Easier access to football to soccer is way easier because you don't need anything. And even after, because due to the club system, even after you graduated from high school or even after university, you don't drop. In the US, it's basically even, I mean, let's say 90% do some activities, some sports in high school. Then you, if you go to college, if you go to university, you might be the chosen one that's still attending any kind of sports to participating even the less chosen one <laughs> yeah exactly the chosen one <laughs> and then uh, after after university you're rather pro which almost nobody is mm -hmm. and then you might quit yeah. so basically that's just i think that's just a waste because you already developed so many athletes and stuff and then you're exactly. like in your mid-20s and you just quit why why? Yeah, done after yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's so why? I mean, I mean, I love when you go to a field on a Sunday and there's 30 and 40 year olds playing. You know, like exactly. I think that is so beautiful. Like that's amazing. For sure. That's just our culture. And yeah. even like you always play. I mean, it's uh, for example, within within the coaching group, within the staff of Union Berlin, every Friday we play together. That's like the, uh, just we play. 
We play yeah. football. Bayern Munich is doing the same thing. Uh, there are so many clubs in Germany, like the staff. We usually play football, of course. It just makes sense. But if you're not enough people because due to away games or injuries or somebody's sick, you play something else because it's just part of the of the DNA that you work in a yeah in a sports environment. Yeah, you do something together, and the best thing you get to exchange. I mean, so the under thirteenth coach talks to the under nineteenth coach and stuff like that. So it's it's not a sport within a sport, a team within a team. Um, basically, you talk to each other. Yeah, and the same thing. And a lot of companies do stuff like that as well, or just you play in clubs. So even let's say you've got the guy that's uh, working as a as a lawyer, talks to the guy that's just uh, working, that's just a bus driver, and they all play football in the same club. So you're not uh, basically you're not stuck in your own bubble. Right. Yeah. That's I think the biggest that, advantage. Right? Exactly. That's the best way. Just use. Yeah, sport, football in this case as like a, yeah, just yeah, incubator to for social life. So in many this things. Case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when we kind of talked about some of the weaknesses and strengths of like German structure, I think that is one of the biggest strengths in terms of the accessibility at any age, at any level to be able to play. I think there's hardly any barriers in it, and I think it's. It's amazing that you can have your full career and still kind of be in that team environment where I think in the US, like we have our men's league things and th things like that, but it's more just like you're just coming to play, the, which is also great, but you're just coming to play like once a week in here and things like that. But I think being in the team environment and having like a goal to work towards is also such a beneficial thing. And I think there was more things like that inst installed in America I think a lot of more people would actually kind of buy into it, but there's just, that just, it's not really a thing. I mean, in some cities you'll have different things, but it's not definitely not across the board. True. I think that's yeah, definitely just the whole club structure. I mean, you could do the same thing. I mean, we've got the same club structures for volleyball, for tennis, all that stuff. That's yeah. And they're ingrained. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Expect, I think for the majority, um, for the grassroots stuff like that, it helps. Mm -hmm. However, if you look at uh, universities and stuff like that, your facilities and the infrastructure, it's just insane. The kind of infrastructure and the, the money U.S. spends it's crazy, on... Yeah. It's exactly on... Infra I mean, you played in Europe. You've seen the infrastructure. I mean, if I look at our infrastructure, Union Berlin, we played the Champions League this year. We don't even have the infrastructure of some universities you have in U.S., soccer wise and that's not even the first sport that's that's incredible. well they don't have to pay they don't have to pay fifty thousand for tuition to join union berlin that's true. so i think that, i think that's <laughs> kind of that's the difference there yeah. <laughs> makes sense get your point money adds up you know it's mathematics yeah, true <laughs> but i there there is kind of we there was one thing too that i've it's it's been kind of current in the news lately too especially in Germany. And I don't know if our, our viewers around are as tuned in as we are, but um, you kind of, we spoke a little bit about the difference between, I guess the Bundesliga and the premier league. And it's, there's kind of, there's a lapse and it seems to be kind of growing and it's tough because obviously the Bundesliga, like you want to compete with these leagues because you don't want to be 
that quote unquote farmers league. You don't want to be five leagues down, six leagues down, then the best leagues. But I also think what's beautiful about German football in the leagues is it's not as commercialized. And there is still so much power to the fans and accessibility to the fans to have a say. I mean, when we talk about like the 50 plus one rule and Mm -hmm. to give um, just a little background to viewers or listeners from around the world, like there's been many protests against the DFB um, from fan groups who don't want necessarily too much outside um, investment from investment groups like I think BlackRock and maybe um, investment firms from Saudi Arabia, because they believe that they that will shrink the what they see as the important thing about football in German society. Yeah, totally. That's exactly that's the that's the main reason uh, within the last games, uh, the famous tennis balls were always uh, on the, the long pitch stoppages. Re- yeah, exactly. That's why you've got like stoppage time, like twenty six minutes or something like that. Did you um, did you see the one uh, for the Haas foul against Hanover where they put a bike lock on the post? Did you see that? And then the bike, they the bike lock was like the combination was fifty, and then they put like a plus sign on the middle, and it was fifty plus zero one was the bike lock, and the fans and the ultra groups on the other side said like the key is fifty plus one and like a and a tifo and a banner. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> well, um, but it's a thin line to be honest because it just attended, for example, Union Berlin game um, versus Wolfsburg. And we had like a break, then another break, then some more stuff, and was really close. They would have canceled the whole game. And yeah, I it's think tough. that's it's tough. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do understand. I think the the fans, but it's, supporters, it's working now, point isn't across. It? Let's see. I mean, private equity and stuff like that. I mean, it's still sport. I think that's the most important thing we just talked about: club structure and all that things that. Um, Football is a part of society, yeah. And I don't know if if that'll stay like that. If BlackRock, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they are investing money not just out of altruism. They just don't want to be nice. You invest money. Yeah, that's not why they're investing right. money. Yeah, of course exactly. not. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, hang on, I do have like a billion left over. So just just put it somewhere it. i mean just just exactly. out of the kindness of our hearts they want to invest in mm-hmm. in german Definitely soccer not. yeah of course yeah. so that's why right now i don't know of course there's so much money involved and so much business involved um of course question is how you could still strengthen and empower the league and stuff like that close the gap to british league or even clubs like psg because for them, uh, money is not a matter, um, and still stay uh, independent. I mean, that's and the most important thing. True to the core values and fan exactly. say and things like that. Yeah, agreed. It's, it's a difficult. The... It's a difficult question, isn't it? Difficult it's, answer. It's really, really hard. It's and I think that again, that's not the answer. I think there are so many parts of the equation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it and I think it needs to be decided uh, individually all the time. Let's say, for example, BlackRock, they invest, it's fine. But maybe after five years, they decide, ah, I rather like uh, hockey. So, okay, let's pull out the money and just, yep, enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And so after that, the club will do that. Exactly. Exactly. Just done like that. And then like, okay, now 
let's say they've got an ECO and the CEO likes to play golf. Yeah. It's okay. It's rather invest money in golf. Yeah. And then like uh, you're losing um let's say eighty percent of income. Yeah. So you would kill the club. I think yeah. there needs to be some kind of parachute for the clubs as well. And right now they do have a parachute because they rely on various investors. So I think it's really hard. This decision, I mean, I think you should put a lot of thought into stuff like that. Evaluate, analyze, adapt, adapt. right? Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. They got to listen. They got to listen. They got to listen to the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And, and Marcus, goals for the future, any direction you are looking to head in in the near short-term future, or far. long-term future? Or far future, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, would love to stay in the game, to be honest. Um, let's see. To be honest, just my my main goal is basically stay healthy always and then yeah. just uh, uh, have a look where it takes me. I'm really happy right now with Union Dolan. I have to admit that. I really like what I'm doing right now. Sometimes I kind of miss... Uh, I've been less on the pitch for the last uh, one and a half years. I've been more on the pitch. Sometimes I miss it. But to be honest, sometimes back in November, I do remember rainy days, minus 10 wind. And I was thinking... Ah! Could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I kind of miss it sometimes. So I don't know yet, to be honest. Uh, main goal is to keep on working in football, to keep on developing, to keep on working with cool guys like you, stuff like that. Those are the main goals. Love that. And before we get into some of our wrap-up questions, do you have any, I guess, what are some of the advices you would give to both coaches and players that you see maybe that they don't do enough or that they should be doing more? Stay humble. Always stay humble. Have a look around what other people are doing. Um, be happy that you, that you do what you like. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people go to work on Monday and they're really looking forward to Friday. The only thing they care about is basically the weekend and they only do that for money. Yeah, and for sure. For us, it's the it's an honor to work in an area you like. Um, many people actually want to do that. So again, it's an absolute honor and be humble that you work in something you actually like and you care about. So that's something. Um, said, if yeah. you work in football, you're part of the elite. If you look how many people actually like the game and want to work in that and... Um, you do it so just stay attentive and focused and always keep on developing those are the key factors i think right and reflecting on the journey right now what things would you say helped you to get to this moment in other words why did marcus get to this point and why is he continuing to try and learn and get better i mean that i did have a lot of luck sometimes i met the right people and apparently some of them actually liked me and gave me the chance um I mean, I put on my shoes myself, to be honest, with my all the licenses I did and with my with the studies I finished. And then some people actually noticed me and then they opened the door, but I had to walk through on my own and I have to keep on working. If I do not keep on working, I do know somebody's going to pass me again because it's just, 
it's a highly competitive area. There are a lot of sharks in the pond. So it is, uh, you just have to they're make sure you grow. Too. Yeah. Exactly. They're always circling and they're always, the dagger comes always from behind. Yeah. You just make sure you keep on developing, you keep on working, keep on developing on yourself, keep on developing your network, stuff like that. Um, the more you know, uh, the better it is in all areas. Yeah. So I think that's, that was me being lucky enough so far that I met some people that trusted my abilities and gave me the chance. And uh, so far, I haven't proved too many people wrong. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to talk to you right now. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Marcus, we're going to head into our fast feed, our quick fire questions to end off everyone's favorite here. <laughs> Your first one, favorite player growing up and even now, favorite player now too. Uh, I think back in the day, even though he seemed a little obnoxious back in the day, Matthias Sommer, he's from okay. the same town as I am, Dynamo Dresden. I mean, he was 96, he won the European Championships, he was best voted best European player. I mean, I really liked his desire and his passion to win. You could see he was greedy to win. He went nuts if he was not winning. So basically, that was like one of my role models on the pitch. Besides that, he was an excellent player. I mean, he, otherwise, he wouldn't have been voted the European Player of the Year. I mean, 96, they had other players like, I don't know, Paul Gascoigne, Alan Shearer, stuff like that. I mean, other nations yeah. had really good players as well. So um, nowadays, um, hard to tell. There's so many good players with a lot of abilities. Sean Wimberg. Uh, He's up there. Gani. Top 20. <laughs> Top 20. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. I don't know. Uh, Dylan Williams. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anton Rucco. Um Well, let's see. Uh, That's a midfield I mean, right yeah. there. That's yeah. a midfield yeah, right there. That's, true. That's, That's a really three. good midfield. I think ability-wise, just what you can do, how, what kind of impact you could have on a game. Um Mbappé, Haaland, especially what I like about Haaland was his path coming from, I think, Molde. I'm not quite certain, but coming basically from Norway right? mm -hmm. to Austria via, he didn't choose the biggest club right away. I mean, no no offense to Dortmund, but he, I mean, he could have gone a different route. He could have gone to Bayern Munich, he could have gone to Man City right away, but he chose um, Dortmund to develop. And then he played there. And then he went to Man City. I thought just he put a lot of thought and again, humbleness and some idea into his decisions. So I think just because of that, I really like him. And of course, you can see this guy is just greedy to win as well. And he invests a lot of his, a lot of time as well, I think. And of course, you have to admit that what um, Cristiano is doing is amazing in his age. Still, yeah. And what he accomplished in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Favorite moment in football? Um, actually, three. I think when we got promoted with Dynamo Dresden from the third league to the second league, just the motion, the whole city went nuts. Uh, within the coaching staff. Then Cut out for me. Cut out for you. It's all good, though. I think it's just your coach. Then, then I think, secondly, 
promotion with like Bischofswerda back in the day when we went from when we got promoted to the fourth league. I mean, we invested so much, we planned so much, we did so much for that. That's why I was really lucky. And also when we won uh, indoor football, futsal, when we won more or less like this Länderpokal stuff and all the mm -hmm. 21 federations play against each other and we were the total underdog in 2016, we won the thing. Um, and even more importantly, um, a lot of my players got selected for the national team. Yeah. And now the captain of the national team, Christopher Wittich, uh, yeah, he's nowadays the captain of the national team. So I think that was, yeah, pretty Amazing. good moment. Do you have a most difficult moment in football? Always when a contract expires, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that yeah. a tough moment. Yeah. <laughs> as real as it gets. He yeah, said exactly. you can't put it's fun like... in the fridge. That's another Yeah, exactly. Point. Exactly. <laughs> Always, you know, okay, we're coming to the end of the contract. Okay. Keep on looking again, asking some people and stuff like that. So, Always a tricky, a tricky moment. Best advice you ever received? Um, again, from Ralf Hauptmann back in the day, uh, former captain of Cologne, former Bundesliga player. Um, I worked a lot with him. And he said, yeah, always be who you are. Always be authentic. Uh, again, the same thing, humble and always try to develop and never be, um, always keep on going. Mm. If you stop, you regress, keep on progressing. Keep moving forward is one of our other mottos in, in here too. So yeah, just, just in case, that. I mean, we all wouldn't be where we are. We, we always need to go the extra mile in this case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah how about we don't always ask this one but as a world traveler like yourself we have to bring it back favorite place you've lived i mean uh, i actually two or three actually i really liked australia just for the weather even mm -hmm. though kind of 89 percent of the animals that can kill you uh, it's a lovely place really cool people <laughs> Um, nice weather most of the time. I really like Brazil for the food, the fruit, the weather, and really friendly people, really outgoing, just the culture. And Italy, it's not that far, but also friendly people, good weather, and stuff like that. So I think those are the yeah, the three spots I would choose. Three way right tie, now. yeah, yeah, three way tie. Best player you've coached. Best player I coached so far. Um, who made it? Marvin Stefaniak is one of the best players I was able to work with. Um, also, Yannick Müller of Dynamo Dresden as well. He plays in Darmstadt right now, first division. He was not the best talent, but he knew what he was able to do. And New that strengths, was really good. Right? If he, Exactly. He knew exactly what he could do and a really ambitious person, stuff like that. So a lot of credits and a lot of um, congrats to what he achieved. Yeah. If you weren't in football, what would you be doing? Ha, good question. Um, 
That's always the best I answer, am. too, is like when a guest is like, how fine. <laughs> exactly. I haven't thought about it yet. I mean, I did work in some other areas as well, but always kind of related to sports. And maybe somewhere in teaching. Less. Yeah. Probably, but I don't know. Um, I, I would definitely miss the traveling part and mm -hmm. the competitive part of it. I mean, I, li I really like working with people. I really like that and giving away some ideas and stuff like that. I really love that. Maybe, maybe, maybe doing something else or maybe just doing some project management. I don't know, whatever. Me either. Yeah. Hopefully you never have to <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> Didn't have to find out yet. No, yeah. no. Favorite book? Um, Alexandre Dumas. Um, Monte Cristo. Um, I think the Count of Monte Cristo would be the English okay. terminology Alexandre Dumas. It's about this guy. Um, was basically set on an island, even though he didn't commit the crime. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Kind of Monte Cristo, Alexandre Dumas. That's my one of my favorite books. Alexandre Dumas. Okay, interesting. Nice. Because he never gave up, even mm. though he he was betrayed by everybody within his all social surroundings. He never gave up. He met this guy that helped him a lot. His mentor. I mean, okay, about the revenge part. We could talk about the revenge part. No spoilers, <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> but I could definitely recommend that book. Ah, fair. Any quote or mantra that you live by? Um, basically, never give up. There's always a backup plan. Tutte le via portano Roma, or all the ways bring her to Rome, in this case. Meaning there's always another way. There's always okay. another way. If you focus on the that. goal, if I wanna, if I wanna achieve, if I wanna go to Rome, and this one way is blocked, look for another one. Love that. Very nice. Brilliant, Marcus. We finally did it. We finally got to Yay! meet on a podcast. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure I don't speak for just myself. I can't wait for part two. Part two will be in person. Over some coffee or some nice tea in Bad Blankenberg, yeah. we'll see. But um, we want to thank you so maybe much for Iceland, coming on. Norway. Maybe in Iceland, <laughs> Norway. You never we'll know. see. Time we'll will see. tell very soon. We'll see. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, um Can't really tell you how much I appreciated that time. Um, running out of superlatives. It's been a real <laughs> pleasure. And hopefully see you guys uh, soon in person. Yes. Thank you, Marcus. Special thanks again, as we always say, to Marcus. We didn't call him his uh, nickname. He's also known as the brain. The brain. Because, and it's, he it's, knows a lot about if you lot. know him, if you spend a little bit of time with Marcus, like the name, I mean, probably just from hearing this episode, it makes sense because yeah. he is a wealth of knowledge and it's, the, it's not a fluke why. You can kind of see he's always, searching he's always looking to gain knowledge to meet people to understand their way to take some of that um i mean from the places he's been the people he's met the connections he's made and the areas in which he's worked in and the people he's worked with um 
I was really excited to do this episode and I, I think it, it definitely paid off. I think just his outlook on kind of, you can always bring it into coaching, but just that's the thing that we always came back to, which was evaluate, analyze, adapt, I think is such a key structure to have in any job or point in your life, because there's always going to be those times where maybe something's not going right or now how it's going to plant. Okay. Evaluate, take a step back almost, you know, and, and be subjective to it. Don't be biased or be objective. Right. It's been a long day. Um, just see it from, from all sides kind of. An, and then we analyze it and then we think, okay, this is why this happened. And then we adapt and then we implement the new things. It's, yeah. it's so simple, but yet so integral and genius. And I think, I mean, that's something that's going to stick with me. Those, those three yeah, I mean, in that order like, is going to stick with me. That's like, a, that's like how you just go about life, basically. Like you can put that into any situation. Yeah. Like evaluate what's happening around you. Analyze it's like evaluating even more and then adapt yeah. to the situation. It's like yeah. you can do that in every single situation. And it's probably exactly, a good yeah. idea to do to take a step back and see it from, you know, not when you're looking through the binoculars, but like take a wide look, what's going on? How can I fix it? Whatever the issue is and then do it um yeah but yeah i mean we've had we had so many conversations with him at the coaching course already so that could have been podcasts we, themselves could have right been podcasts you know what themselves. i mean exactly so this is like, really for us this is take three this is take sean three. and i each had at like least. an hour-long conversation with him individually and then this is the group conversation now i guess right. actually but yeah he's just sometimes at night too we would have very long conversations like at after over dinner yeah i mean it's but it's always great it's always fantastic conversations totally and it's like you said he has just a wealth of wealth of knowledge and experience and like he said he has to take the stairs to get to where he wants to go so he's yeah he's been at many different places and learned and taken bits and pieces from there that often people skip a few steps or they skip a floor and they don't get that wealth of knowledge and experience that he has because he's gone up every step it's a great um, point to get to the point he's at now and he's only going to keep climbing as he says you obviously have to keep working and keep going the extra mile every day to get there because it's a very competitive market um you know what that is too it's like just exactly to build off what you just said he turned his disadvantage of not being a pro player not playing at that into his advantage to right. now become this encyclopedia and you know wealth of knowledge and always searching for it like he turned that disadvantage into his advantage to become right. more well-rounded as a right. coach as a director of coaching just also as a person too yeah yeah just i mean just first off the ability the ability to learn and then store the information to know oh that's how they do it in brazil or that's how they do it in france or this small island in france this is how they develop their players and yeah. this is how they do it in iceland or norway whatever it is it's like he's making mental notes and remembering that. Yeah. And then to be able to put all that information and process it, analyze it, and then adapt to whatever situation he's in to implement the best method for whatever the given circumstances are. Um, like he said, with teams, usually you have to just adapt to whatever you're given. Yeah. And like we said, sometimes the best way to play is not always the most beautiful way. If you're a non-league 
football club and you're playing against Man City, you're not going to go out and high press them. That everyone would agree, not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's great about football is you can play in many different ways and still get a result at the end of it. Exactly. I think um, I liked his advice to to players and coaches was towards the end of the episode was, and he said it a few times was, one the humbleness which I think is something that obviously goes overlooked a lot of the times, but also to kind of combine the humbleness with knowing that what you're doing is what you love, and I think when you kind of come back to that, it's it's partially gratefulness and partially being present. Like holy shit, I'm either playing the sport I love or I'm teaching the sport I love and I'm around it on a day-to-day basis. When you, I think when you kind of connect with that, um, I guess, synopsis a little bit more, you're more, I don't know, it's just there's there's more love into it. There's more positives to it. And I think that when you see what you do in your work that way, it only brings the best out in you to, to perform that job better. Yeah, absolutely. Also, really enjoyed that. just from his website, do you know how many languages he speaks? I'm going to guess because he he showed a few of them off. I don't know, like six or seven. So there's German, obviously, English, which you've heard today, uh, Portuguese, uh, Italian. And there's like different levels um, right, of, course. of how it is. But Italian is still like over the 50%. And then French is around 50%. Spanish is around 50%. And then Norwegian is like just under 50%. So... I mean, kind of crazy. And, and to, to yeah. kind of plug him, um, if you want to know more about him or if you want to contact him, see kind of the things maybe which you can work with him on or ask him questions, uh, coachurban.de is his website. So coach, obviously, urban, U-R-B-A-N.de. And you can learn more about him, ask him questions. I think he has a shop as well. So um a wealth of knowledge that I think is always looking to make connections, always looking for the next steps in anything. And if you're listening to this and you're interested, please get in contact with Marcus. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyhow, us time. Us yeah, time. we time. Um, layover hoodie, as we said, there are still some available. Out. We did get a lot yes. because it's such a great product. And I think hopefully it's shared with enough people who, Recognize its greatness as the best hoodie you'll ever own. It's enough said, right? I mean, yeah, enough people have. Said I haven't that, heard. So. I haven't heard one person say this isn't the best hoodie I own. That's correct. So zero just, of those. You don't take our word for it. Take someone take else's. Theirs. Take theirs. Um, YouTube videos. Love the support and the feedback we're getting from those. But as always. Free support means the world to us. Um, we're not asking for your donations. We're not asking for anything like that. And not too often. But the free support, just a click here, a click there, Subscribe helps us grow and there. gets yeah, a review there. That puts us in more ears and in more hands and hopefully grows us and makes us get better and better product for you. And it's a, a circle, circle of life. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. I think that's the housekeeping. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember like what we would say on very early episodes in terms of like the housekeeping, but I think we just uh, would over edit. Uh, I think we would edit this part plug out. Plug and pass. Plug and pass. Plug and pass. Wow. 
plug and pass. Plug yes, pass. plug and pass. Um, fresh we round would, of stickers we would, we would too. We have to we have to do like a contest for we have to do a contest, Sean, for for stickers because there was a fr- there was a fresh order and we're sitting on some some. Sticks. I'll tell you what the the part of that competition will definitely include being subscribed to our YouTube channel. So just. Get us get ahead on that and do that. Get a head start um, on that, yeah, for sure. That's that will for sure be one of that'll be step one. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll have to think of something. Consultations on the website is another one. Consultations um, for players who want to connect. Yep. Um, if you want a free layover hoodie, you have to run a mile under five minutes, and it has to be recorded. <laughs> well, I'm not putting that out there because I think some people will be able to do that. That is not. That's not real. There's going to be more. Um, There'll be more. But as always, we love when you guys reach out and you have feedback or things you want to hear or people you want to hear on. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of air. Yeah, good. So until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. And make your own path. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 